1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. One of the big questions is what
2: is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very
1: different databases. Do
2: you believe in crypto?
3: Digital currency may be an answer, but it is the highly speculative asset.
0: Oh, I do own Bitcoin.
3: There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We're here for anyone who is interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it, and this is the very beginning. But we recommend heading back to the early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive head first, then let's do it. My name is Tracy and I'm joined by my mates from the bamboo app, Blake and Craig. Hey guys, how are you going?
2: Very well, Tracy, how are you?
3: Good, how are you going, Craig?
4: Good thanks, Tracy.
3: And we've got Blake back with us because he was away and he was at Consensus, which we spoke about last week. So Blake, we're happy to have you back. Tell us a little bit about consensus. How was it?
2: Yeah, it was an incredible week. So just for everybody that's listening, Consensus is one of the world's largest crypto conferences. Before COVID, it was based in New York, but they've decided to have it in Austin, Texas this year, which is an amazing place to have it. And this year, I think they had close to 18,000 people come um, buy tickets and then many more came to the events that were outside of the conference so the conference went for like four four days I think uh, and every day there was your know, dozens of events outside of the conference itself that you could attend, ranging to every facet of the crypto industry. So it was really great being there, being part of the energy. Um, there's so much happening; it was a little bit hard to take it all in. I barely got any time to um to to go to any of the talks, even though there were five stages doing um you know doing keynotes and talks for the for the whole period. Yeah, it's really amazing just to see how much innovation is happening in the sector. It felt like um, it was just a normal day in crypto regardless of the markets, you know, being quite volatile and it's like it just wasn't part of the agenda. So it was really great to see and Coindesk did such a great job uh, on execution. Um, with seventeen thousand people, the whole the whole conference was flawless. So they did a really great job, and yeah, you know, um, really looking forward to going back next year.
3: Yeah, I definitely had a bit of FOMO watching Twitter and LinkedIn and all the other social media pages showing what was going on. But I know that you said that you didn't have time to see a lot of stuff. But is there anything that you can point as a standout? Like I know you, we were all jealous of all the cool free T-shirts that you got. But can you point anything as a standout that you saw? as well
2: we saw snowden um, speak uh, it was virtually of course however you know he was just really talking about you know encouraging people to use Uh, Bitcoin as currency and and try not to use it as an investment and he thought that that's really important that people do that.
3: So moving on, this last week in crypto has definitely been a volatile one. We've seen some pretty horrid price action with a lot of money being wiped from the overall total market cap. Bitcoin and Ethereum are down around 20% this week and 70% this year in total. So if you're new to the crypto scene, this can be a little bit scary Uh, but the three of us have been here before and this is nothing new, believe us. So let's have a quick look at two big things that are happening in the market right now. Number one, Celsius, an investment platform, halted their withdrawals for customers and this caused a lot of panic. Number two, liquidations are happening. A lot of traders and even big companies who are borrowing money to buy crypto are being margin called. So Craig, perhaps let's start with you. Can you give us your thoughts on this last week?
4: yeah the last week has been pretty scary but if you've been in crypto for a while i mean these things aren't unusual but they sort of happen if once every few years a big washout like this and you know seeing your portfolio go down 80 90 percent is rough and it does feel like crap but um all the way up you know bitcoin has fallen 90 percent down a few times now actually Um, and you know it always seems to come back so you know if if you're someone you know that's buying stocks or real estate you won't see these massive drawdowns in those asset classes because obviously they're more mature they've all been around for ages whereas in crypto it's so stunning on the way up but Um, You know, it's also pretty shocking on the way down.
3: I think, you know, this is at least the second cycle for me and you, Craig, that we've been through. And I'm feeling a lot better because I've seen this before and I know what to expect. But Blake, you've been through maybe one or two more of these cycles. You saw the 2015 crash, I think, that we've spoken about. So this is nothing new for you. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit more about what's going on in the market?
2: Yeah, you know, traditionally, uh, we've spoken about this previously, but. Crypto and and Bitcoin has historically seen, you know, four-year cycles, um, which is primarily, you know, the thesis there is that it's driven by the Bitcoin halvening um, that we've touched on before, which Mm -hmm. um, controls the inflation rate of Bitcoin, which is the dominant currency in the ecosystem. Um, And this is just playing out. And, you know, as we see innovative sub-industries grow like NFTs and DeFi, um, they um, go through teething issues where, you know, the new use case of the technology gains a lot of traction, but then that also attracts a lot of projects that aren't necessarily great. Uh, and then they end up, um, eventually washing out. But what's really good about this process is that it helps the, the ecosystem mature. So the, the, the projects that do pull through, they're going to learn from the mistakes that were made and they're gonna build more robust products and businesses. So then in the next cycle, they're not as susceptible to, you know, this volatility. And a really great example of that is exchanges. So five years ago, exchanges were, you know, they were getting hacked, you know, they would get squeezed on liquidity, they would stop working. Um, and then, you know, now the exchanges are robust, they're safe, they're partly regulated. Um, and they're part of the broader economy. Um, so, yeah, it's really just part of these um, boom and bust cycles, um, which happen quite regularly. Yeah.
3: That's a really good point about the exchanges. And look, I mentioned that there's a lot of leverage in the system. And what I mean by this is that people borrowing money to buy crypto. And this ties into the latest story to break this week, which involves Three Arrows Capital or our 3AC, a, a multi billion dollar hedge fund. And they're big investors in various tokens and a huge brand in the community, you know, there's not many hedge funds out there that have, you know, 500,000 plus Twitter for us. So there's rumours that are starting to swirl um, at the moment that, you know, they might be the next ones to fall. So, Blake, can you talk a little bit about how leverage plays a part in this scenario and why this might impact the the market in a negative way?
2: Mm, Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the... Crypto leverage is different generally to how leverage works in your traditional finance. And the key reason for that is that most people in the crypto sphere use cryptocurrency as collateral to borrow cash to then buy more crypto. Um and the key risk here is then if you know the price of your collateral drops by 50% while you have trades that are, you know, may not be liquid, then you can easily get margin called for you know large sums of money. and um because of this domino effect that can happen where people you know get margin called, have to start liquidating their positions, like selling down their positions, it then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that these markets start spiraling out of control, and that's why they're so volatile.
3: Can someone maybe explain to the listeners what exactly a margin call means?
4: So pretty much a margin call means if you want to borrow some Tether or some stable coins or cash, you can put up your one Bitcoin for collateral. Say one bitcoin's worth 50000 at the time. You borrow 25000 in cash and then your Bitcoin drops 50%, which means your collateral is now worth what you borrowed. They'll liquidate you so you no longer have your Bitcoin. It's in the hands of the lender.
2: Yeah. And generally in crypto, you have to keep a loan to value ratio of about 50%. So for example, if you um, put up a Bitcoin for collateral or security that's worth 50000 and you borrow um, $25,000 uh, and then Bitcoin, you know, starts dropping, you're going to have to feed... Um, more Bitcoin into that loan to be able to hold on to your position. And sometimes people only have crypto on hand and their crypto is then dropping. And if you do get margin called, basically um, it means your Bitcoin gets sold on market as quickly as possible for the first possible buyer. So um, generally it's sold at below market price that and it continues to push the market down.
3: So that's why when we have these big drops, they cascade down really quickly. It is like a house of cards. So that's why people worry when when groups like you know three arrow Capital who have got so much money in the market, you know um, look look a bit shaky. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but it just means that they've overextended themselves and, you know, they've found it hard to find liquidity. When you're moving multi-hundred million dollar or billion dollar positions in this market, um, it's just not set up for that, like, you know, potentially traditional markets. Um, But even then, um, these positions are hard to move regardless, yeah.
0: But
4: as you know, Tracy, like during the good times, everyone's levying up. The system builds up a lot of leverage because greed, really, people are just trying to get a piece of the upside and there is more liquidity and volume, as Blake mentioned, to actually offset these big trades. But in times like these, when the volume, you know, the buying volume tends to go away, all this leverage gets cleaned out in some pretty spectacular red candles.
3: It, um, it reminds me of that saying that Warren Buffett, I think it's Warren Buffett who said it, that, um, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. I think that kind of works there. But yeah, look, there are a lot of projects like Luna, you know, all these, um, these apps like Celsius and other investors who, who looked great last year and, you know, were doing really well and then all of a sudden they're exposed now, you know, and, you know, this kind of free money season that we're talking about looks to be over. And I think the big question that we're hearing now and that everyone is asking is is what causes this crash? And I think there's no real single clear-cut answer here as all these markets are complicated. Uh, but we can have a look uh, at the different events that maybe helped this come on. And I know, Craig, we've spoken about this over the last week and we've got a few listed here. And what are we going to start with?
4: Well, it's such a massive, complex issue. It's happening across multiple asset classes, but obviously, inflation is the most talked about event. Um, I'm sure the Equity Mates boys are doing a few episodes on this and they're probably a bit more clued in than I. But of course, these interest rate risks causing stock prices to go down, everyone de risking, looking to you know, hold cash. And when investors start to de-risk, that means prices tend to go down because there's less buyers than sellers or there's more sellers than buyers, I should say. What do you reckon, Blake? What's going on?
2: Yeah, I I think you summed it up pretty well. You know, everyone's a bit concerned about interest rate hikes. Uh, So yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how um, the Fed in the US tries to, you know bring inflation under control um, and it's pulling all the levers that they can. So, Um, For now, um, the market's still, you know, processing that.
3: Yeah. I think, um, you know, we spoke about the lunar collapse recently and then Celsius this week that we spoke about earlier, you know, announcing that they're going to stop withdrawals on their exchange. And, you know, you want to do something like this when you're talking about, you know, facing insolvency. So this Celsius story uh, was a big one and a lot of people are now stuck with their funds locked away. So, um, Blake, can you give us a little bit more background on this story?
2: Yeah, for sure. Sure. This is fascinating for me. Um, Celsius has, you know, 1.7 million customers globally and reported to have, you know, $20 billion in assets under management. And um, Celsius is really trying to be like a crypto bank. Uh, they offered yield features so you can get, you know, 6% per annum on your deposits for your Bitcoin or your USD stable coins. Um, and they invest this into DeFi and lend it to, you know, funds to trade. And um, they probably, who, who knows what else they do with it, probably market making. Yeah, so they had, um, they apparently had $500 million on Anchor, part of Luna, um, but got out before it was collapsed. And they had quite a lot of also Ethereum staked in a, a platform called Lido. And they may have lost uh, over $100 million uh, on that, um, which is a bit concerning. But, you know, in these markets, um, it sounds like to me that they've been squeezed on liquidity. You know, they've deployed billions of dollars into DeFi, and now that they need to take it out of DeFi, there's um, no liquidity to do so. So it's getting stuck in there. And as a result... They've had to pause withdrawals from their customers. They've brought in Citibank to help them advise them what to do. Um, but it's pretty concerning because if the liquidity dries up, um, you know, the customers aren't going to get their money back.
4: But it's also worth noting that Celsius have not mentioned any of those specifics that Blake has spoken about. Like there is a bunch of Twitter. Twitter people that are investigating, I swear there's like hundreds of private investigators on this issue that they're they're tracking the Celsius wallets, but it's important to note Celsius have only said that they've stopped withdrawals due to extreme market conditions. Now, there's no reason to say that they can actually come back and and honour the funds, but obviously it's not a great look.
2: Yeah, Celsius is an interesting one because what they do is risky and it is kind of one of the first of its kind. And I've read through their terms and conditions before, and um, it basically says that, you know, they'll try their best not to lose their customers' capital. So really very little to no liability there um, for the deposits that they take. Um, So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much – um, the customers get back. It might be like one hundred percent or it might be like ninety cents in the dollar or it could be less. So um, definitely one to watch.
4: And you know what's ah it's funny is I don't know if you guys have heard this, but um they their competitor called Nexo have actually offered to buy Celsius out to help them out, and they've they've made an offer already. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops.
3: Well, let's let's hope still that there might be a happy ending for this story, and um, those people that still have funds locked up can can get those back. But we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. But
4: you know you know it's interesting to note um, this cycle. I feel like it's a lot different to the 2017 cycle. I feel the 2017 one was then the average retail investor really got squeezed by everyone being long. And the market like really just corrected as all markets do. But this one feels a bit different. This one feels like these businesses and apps with and funds are starting to, you know, they're collapsing sort of like a Lehman Brothers moment in crypto. What do you think, Blake?
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, I think these are new business models um, and people are still. You know, groups are still figuring out how to manage risk in these, you know, in this new industry and definitely analogous to a bank failing with Celsius with 1.7 million users, you know. Could
3: it be because as we're talking about, you know, during the bull run, people did get greedy and they wanted to borrow more money to invest. And we're saying it's not just the traders that are, you know, borrowing on margin, but all these exchanges and other people are borrowing, you know, millions and hundreds of dollars, to borrow on margin and trade. I mean, that's the, you've got to have the underlying collateral to make these kind of trades.
2: Hey, I think you can, but you need the liquidity to get in and out of them. So even if you you have the underlying, you can still get caught, right?
3: Mm. Yep. Well, liquidations are forced selling of assets, and the forced selling drives the prices down, which triggered more liquidations and so on, and then leverages. You know, it kind of cleans out the systems, and I suppose that's what we're seeing now. And and this is why we have those massive dips in the market.
2: And I think like regulation plays a big part, you know, I don't think in a regulated market um, that, you know, these things happen as commonly as they do in crypto, but because they are new business models, um, it may take, you know, three, five, 10 years um, for regulation to catch up with them. So yeah, um, people are, are taking the risk to get high yields and, You know they have to take the risk with that.
3: What happens next? Predicting these things is hard to know. No one has a crystal ball, but we are full believers in the fact that crypto is a technology breakthrough on par with something like the internet and mobile phones. What we do know from history is that these temporary crashes are exactly that. They're temporary. If we zoom out in 10 years, crypto will be a much bigger part of the world than it is today. This pain is temporary. You know, prices do find their bottom. And in a few years, we'll talk about this the same way that we did with the dot-com crash or the crypto crashes of 2015 and 2018. Uh, What you believe in now will dictate what you do. So hold tight and dollar cost average into the market. This seems like a good time to take a break. And when we come back, we'll take a look at some more news over the last week in the crypto. Welcome back to the Crypto Curious Podcast. This was a big story the last few days as Coinbase announced they will cut 18% of their current workforce. They aren't alone though as Gemini, BlockFi and Crypto.com all announced cuts to their teams recently as well. Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, sent out a message to the company explaining these were the reasons why. Economic conditions are changing quickly managing costs during the down market is critical. They hired too fast in the last 18 months Uh, And there was also a fair bit of social media backlash here. Uh, There was a few people that jumped on pretty unhappy that they weren't able to say goodbye to some mates and a few people that got hired and literally two weeks later were being fired again. So, um, you know, what are your thoughts here, guys? This wasn't a good look for them, was it?
2: Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see, but I think it's an easy trap to fall into in a bull market of just hiring too quickly. Uh, and you know, building out new business lines, and um, you know, expanding into new regions, uh, where you know the market might not meet you there. So, it feels like they've had a bit of a reality check, and they're just scaling back down to your know, appropriate size. Um, so, th- it doesn't surprise me to be honest.
4: The businesses doing you know redundancies isn't uncommon. You know, Coinbase is gone from a startup to a massive US stock listed company in like under 10 years. So the growth that they've experienced is phenomenal. But it's also important to note, um, not everyone is doing layoffs, FTX, Binance, Kraken now um, are all on LinkedIn and Twitter saying, we're still hiring, we're keen to build even more during these times. Granted, they're probably a lot different roles than what they would hire in a bull market, probably more engineering roles, more product roles. Um, rather than a bull market, you're probably hiring more marketing, sales, support roles. Yeah, FTX and Binance and Kraken, you know, if you're keen to get started, jump on their sites because they're, um, CZ from Binance said he's hiring 2,000. Open roles, which is pretty crazy, isn't it? That's nuts.
3: There you go. Look, on to our next story. NFTs are definitely the new trend in the digital asset market right now, and we know that nobody likes to be left behind. The latest to hop on the bandwagon is payment processing giant MasterCard. They are expanding their payment network for the NFT and Web3 markets, announcing last week that they've been working on expanding their payment networks to NFTs over the past two years. 2.9 2.9 billion cardholders now can buy NFTs on several platforms without having to first purchase cryptocurrencies. So, guys, this is another big play for mainstream adoption, don't you think, Craig?
4: Yeah, so the teaming up with Immutable X, Candy Digital, Sandbox, Nifty Gateway, and Moonpay, who was sort of the first to the party um, with you know connecting USD to NFTs. Um, so yeah, I mean it's obviously really great for the NFT space and what we'll probably find is when the market comes back it's going to be so much easier to start participating in these ecosystems than what it was before Um, because everyone right now is sort of spending the time building these new experiences because obviously if you've ever tried to set up a MetaMask or tried to buy something you know on OpenSea the user experience still
2: needs work I think Trace.
3: Yeah what's your thoughts Blank? This is a thumbs up.
2: Yeah, no, it's a great move. Um, What, you know, the first thing that springs to mind is that, you know, traditionally people haven't been able to buy cryptocurrency or digital assets with credit cards um, because of the high um, chargeback rate. Um, A classic example of this is if you buy Bitcoin and it drops by 30% um, over the weekend, people could, um, you know, say, yep, do a chargeback with their credit card company. Um, so, uh, it's interesting to see that they've moved into this relatively high-risk subsector for so many people. Yeah, I don't know the technicalities about how that would work, but that's that's one of the first thing that springs to mind.
3: Yeah, but, you know, go MasterCard. I think it's a great one. And this is actually the statement from MasterCard. They've said, these integrations are designed to make crypto more accessible and help the NFT ecosystem keep growing, innovating, and bringing in more fans. So, let's hope so. Now, we're going to finish out the episode like we did last week and start giving you some short, sharp snippets of news to round out the week that was. So, Craig, you can go first today.
4: Jack Dorsey, a Bitcoin maxi, reckons that Bitcoin will play a major role in what he calls Web5. So, as you know, he's pretty much out of the game on Twitter now. Um, He's... You know, he still has a stake, um, which is obviously pending a buyout from Elon, but he's now focusing on bringing Web5 in and he reckons Bitcoin and the whole use case of identity will be the main thing that drives that, which is very interesting. What do you think about that, Trace and Blake?
3: I don't know. He's he's doing it with his old mate, Jay-Z, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll
2: be interesting to watch.
3: Blake, next bit of news.
2: Yeah, so um, miners, uh, crypto miners, that is, uh, feeling the squeeze. We know uh, this as exchange flows rose to a seven-month high of almost 10,000 Bitcoins, an indication that they're currently selling BTC um, with an assumption that they need it to fuel operations. You know what's interesting is that you know some miners have strategies around selling their Bitcoin down as soon as they mine it. Others have strategies of selling it high, and others have strategies that don't work out and they end up selling it low. Like uh, it looks like it's happening here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there you go. Um, a really short bit of news here, which is one that I like. Uniswap Labs has hired Stacy Cunningham as the first female president. Um, she was from the New York uh, Stock Exchange to be their advisor. So that's a nice bit of news that I, I really like there. Craig?
4: Yeah, consensus was in Texas, as we know, and now we've got NFT NYC, which is happening, and there's going to be an incredible event event for a week-long celebration of all things NFTs. Now, it could I'd imagine the mood might be a bit sour given the price of these nfts but um blake why did not you get a ticket what's going on
3: <laughs>
2: yeah i would love to go but it's really just outside the scope of what we're doing at Bamboo. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> too busy. <laughs>
3: so that's happening right now, NFT New York City um, in the Big Apple. And just on that, everyone's loving the real-life events for NFT stuff. It's really popular. I know you're saying that maybe NFT space is a bit down right now, but all this in-real-life event stuff, they are frothing for it. So I'm sure everyone's having a grand old time.
2: I think that's because they have such a strong community and mm. you know they get to really you know express themselves online and then pull in that into the real world is saying that really works. So it's something to watch.
3: Yeah, it's awesome. Look, I think uh, that's about it for the crypto news this week. Join us again next week and see what's happening in the crypto world because it seems like an endless stream of uh, soap drama-worthy content at the moment. But look, we love hearing from you and finding out what you want to know about crypto, so please keep those emails coming at podcast at Get Bamboo. Uh, uh, and follow us on social media. The Facebook community page is going really well, so please jump on there and join that. Make sure you hit the follow button whenever you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts right now. That way you'll get notified uh, every time we release a new episode. And please... Let your friends and family know about Crypto Curious podcast because right now in crypto winter, there's not a lot going on, but this is the time to educate yourself, your friends and your family about how this crypto space works. So please don't forget to rate and review us in the podcast app. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you all next week. Bye for now.
4: See you guys. Bye.
3: Crypto Curious
0: is a product of Equity Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Cryptocurious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.